You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast with your host, Brett Matthijs. All right, so I was watching this TV show and I found it very fitting for this conversation. And the person in the TV show said, I don't have a TV. And the person I was talking to him said, if you don't have a TV, what is all your furniture pointed at? What do you, what's the answer to that question? If you don't have a TV, what do you point all your furniture at? Uh, I'd say that most people I have been in houses without a TV and uh, they'll just have a sitting area, reading area pointed at the fireplace, at pointed, the fireplace. pointed at a window. Uh, we live in the beautiful Black Hills, so to enjoy the scenery, be able to read a book, kick back. Um, but that doesn't mean they don't watch TV. They yeah. just don't yeah. have a TV. There's a lot of other options these days to be able to watch TV, definitely. Yeah, for sure. That voice you're hearing, by the way, is Chris Gross who's the general manager at KEVN Fox and KOTA ABC. Is that right? I'm not messing anything up there? No, that's perfect. That's yep, perfect. Coda Territory and Black Hills Fox TV. Cool. So for people that don't know, give them kind of like the you're stuck in an elevator, short little pitch on where you work, the KEVN and KOTA, and what you do there. All right. Uh, we are the ABC and Fox affiliate for the Rapid City DMA. Uh, we broadcast um, as a Fox affiliate and ABC affiliate. We broadcast, of course, the uh, uh, ABC and Fox programming provided to us, prime time, sports, specials, those sort of things. And then we produce uh, local news, local content to fill in, tell, uh, tell the community what's going on. And the rest of the time is filled with uh, syndication programming that I purchase and put in a lineup to uh, uh, hopefully appeal to our audience out there. And our, our signal goes out approximately uh, 200 miles throughout the, uh, the entire Black Hills area uh, into Wyoming, corner of Montana, even up in the corner of North Dakota. Yeah, for sure. So your tower, where is that? Because you said 200 miles. That's obviously a huge span. That tower, where is that situated at that you can reach such a far area? Uh, we actually have several different towers. Um, we have our towers on Skyline Drive here in Rapid City, and those broadcast, of course, the ABC and Fox off of there. I have a tower out on uh, Terry Peak in Leeds, South Dakota, and that helps cover the uh, Northern Hills, Southern Hills area and into Wyoming. Uh, we have a small tower in Gillette, a uh, repeater over there that puts out, it's a, it's a only about a 100-foot tower, covers that area. And then I have a tower in Sheridan, uh, that covers the Sheridan, which is actually a lot of people don't realize part of the Rapid City Market. It's kind of a messed up deal. That is kind of a strange <laughs> thing. How did that come to be? Because when we were talking first, I was like, that seems like way out there. And there's like a big gap in the plains, the high plains of Wyoming. And then you guys have the Bighorns with Sheridan. How yeah. did that happen that we in the Rapid City DMA got the Sheridan Market? Well, it's, it's, it is kind of a funny deal. Um, years ago, uh, KOTA-TV was the second television station in Rapid City or, in, or second television station in South Dakota. And at that time in the uh, mid-50s, late-50s, uh, there wasn't a lot of television station, a lot of television coverage. Nobody was broadcasting in that Sheridan market. So Helen Duhamel that started uh, Coda Territory, Coda TV over here, she decided to put up a tower in Sheridan to be able to give uh, those, those people a local presence. And because of that, it's just really stuck in the market. So our DMA is a, it's kind of a weird DMA, uh, demographic market area. If you look at a map, uh, just west of us into Wyoming is actually Denver. And then you pop up with a little pocket of Rapid City up there. Is that kind of 
consistent throughout the United States with DMAs that they kind of jit and jag all over the place and, and do that? Or is that kind of more just we have a strange one? We have a strange one. We have it's, a strange yeah, one. it's not that common. The reason is uh, our lack of population when TV was becoming popular. So whoever would put up an antenna there and get the license from the FCC to be able to broadcast um, really uh, establish that area as a home market. Now, Nielsen, who makes the DMAs, they they evaluate it every year and they do a, a percentage of um, locally who the viewers relate to. And because we've been in that market for so long, uh, Rapid City still is who the local viewers relate to. So it's still part of our DMA. If that ever switches, uh, it could become part of Casper or Billings or it really should be part of Wyoming. And I've talked to the Wyoming uh, legislatures out there. They would love to see local news and local, more local presence in Wyoming out there. But um, the viewers are accustomed and it's their habit to watch us. Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of different aspects of what people would be called like being in TV. Um, but what path do you got to walk or take? to get into the sales, marketing, general managing side of TV? There is a lot. Of, a lot of people, when they think of a TV station, they just think of the on-air talent and, and that. But my newsroom makes up uh, about 30 employees out of our 60 employees that uh, work underneath me. And um, there, there's a lot of different routes to go. If you're going to go into news, uh, mass communications degrees is the the route that most people will take, learning to write, learning learning the uh, FCC laws, learning what they can and can't do in a newsroom, basically. And, and then being able to work in their college studio. Uh, a lot of colleges have on-air studios, get that presence, get that uh, uh, being behind a camera familiarity. Um, if you're going into sales, I see a lot of people with uh, marketing degrees, business management degrees, that sort of thing, and and they just enjoy being out there talking to the public and selling. Um, we also have entry-level positions where uh, our TMPs, for example, a TMP is a technical media producer. Those are the people that sit at a computer and they control the newscasts. Our newscasts are 100% automated. So they sit at a computer, um, they work the soundboard, they have the, the rundown for the newscast all put in, they make sure it rolls out right. If there's an issue with the uh, um, automation on it, they can manually override and take a camera by a joystick and control it. Uh, so that's that's another route that we um, would call more of an entry-level position because we do complete on-the-job training. There's no school to really teach that. Um, of course, have office staff, uh, traffic staff, the people who, who work on putting the uh, commercial schedules in to make sure our clients' commercials get in the right programming, roll out at the right time, encode the commercial, download it, all that sort of stuff. Uh, have a full production crew that goes out, shoots commercials, writes commercials, shoots commercials, does our promotion, uh, does a lot of PSA work in the community because that's part of our um, uh, obligation and part of our being a part of the community is making sure that we highlight the great nonprofits throughout our, our Black Hills region. Um, and then, of course, an engineering staff. Somebody's got to keep all the computers and electronics and everything running right. So there's, there's a lot of different paths to go within a TV station. And quite honestly, most of them, if um, uh, you're going in sales, most people aren't sitting in a college thinking I'm going to go into TV sales, although I do have one right now that that's what he wanted to do, what he wanted to be, because that's what his father had done. Also. Okay, so he was familiar with what was going on in the background of the TV. He did. He When when I interviewed him, and he's a newer employee, he said that I, I, I saw the living that my father 
father was able to provide through selling television, and that's what I always wanted to do. Um, now, news, that's a different story. They, they go to school specifically usually to be on the news. They want to be on the news. They want to make a difference. They want to tell local stories, and uh, uh, it's, a, it's great. I love news people because they do it because they love it, and they really want to make a difference. They're passionate about it. Exactly. Um, like you said, obviously a ton of different avenues if you want to go into TV. Um, almost one-third of Midwest Marketing has worked for a TV station, <laughs> right. um, which there's only seven of us, but still one-third if you do the fractions right. Did you take that traditional path to get into TV, or do you kind of have a different type of story getting into a general managing position with out here in Rapid City? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a long story. That's okay. Of. I like so, long stories. <laughs> so, but because uh, my path is different than the traditional uh, general manager, I would say within a television station, um, I, I've done sales all my life. I love being in sales and a part of sales. Um, my wife, uh, who we've been mar- uh, married for over 11 years, you got to get that run, uh, one right on air. You can't screw that one yep. up. Our <laughs> anniversary is coming up in February, actually February 23rd. In case she's listening, I, I do remember. <laughs> um, it, so my wife and. I, we dated in college uh, for a couple years. We broke up for a decade. We always stayed in touch. We were friends. Um, she she was just a lot more mature than I was and ready to uh, uh, move forward with a relationship and that, which completely scared me off in college. And uh, uh, so we stayed friends. We talked uh, every couple years or a couple times a year, however it worked out. And about a decade later, we ended up getting back together long distance. I didn't live here in Rapid City at that time. Um, I had taken a break from sales. I, I had owned a small business and kind of got burnt out on uh, on that. So I was in human resources at the time as a safety and training coordinator for a factory and um, doing, doing the HR. Well, as we got serious over time, and she was living here in the Black Hills, um, we decided that it was time to take the next step. So I came out, I proposed to her, uh, moved out here, and I really needed a job. And I decided to get back in sales at that point. And so I interviewed a few places, had a few offers, and uh, her and I laugh at it still. I said I, I took a job at the TV station because I would learn the city, I would make all kinds of great connections with business owners and contacts and that, and then in a year or so I'd get a real job. Um, I just didn't look at it at that at that time. I'd never considered TV or even thought about it. And so as I started in there, and it was before we had children, um, I found myself spending more and more time, my free time actually at the TV station. I would sit in on a newscast at that time. We had manual cameras with people behind that would operate the cameras and someone on a switchboard and doing the news. And I would even volunteer to sit in and, and punch the news with master control back there. And and so I, I really developed a love for it over a couple of years of being in TV and the whole magic of the deal and what goes on and the impact it really makes in a community. And one day the general manager asked to take me out to lunch and she said, I've been wanting to retire for a long time, but I've never found the right person to take over the company. And we had a single owner at that time. Um, We went out to lunch. She told me the plans, offered me the job as general sales manager and and uh, decided to take that. So I moved into the general sales manager positions, overseeing all revenue for the station. And then um, when Gray Television bought us out over five years ago, they offered me the position of general manager at that time. 
And then when we bought out Coda uh, Territory, Coda TV here in Rapid City, I took over running that station as well at that time. So very unusual path for a GM. Most um, uh, have been in TV all their life. I've actually only been in TV about 11 years. Okay. And you said you were kind of thinking of it more as a stepping stone with going to be here for a little bit and then go on to a different job. And it turned into a whole entire career for you. Correct. Yeah. I, I thought I just, I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't look at it at that point, but, um, uh, TV is very easy to fall in love with and, and the people are wonderful. And like I say, the, uh, the newsroom is so passionate about what they do and care so much. And, and the salespeople really do it because they want to make a difference in people's businesses. I remember, um, uh, it was in my first couple months of working at the TV station. I got a new client on. Uh, we ran a campaign for them. I went back to see how it worked for them and if it you know, met their expectations. And and the person, I won't say who it was, but they actually had tears in their eyes that they were thinking of going bankrupt and this saved their business. And they're still a loyal customer today. Oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah. So in the realm of TV and working in TV, is there a certain type of personality that seems to work out better? You know, it's like introvert, extrovert, all that kind of stuff. Is there like one person? Because you see the people on air are obviously, for the most part, I would assume extroverts. Like they like to talk, they like to get up in front of people and speak. I could be wrong about that too. That's just a guess. <laughs> but is there in a general sense, like a personality type that works? Uh, definitely an extrovert um, throughout all areas of the station, but it, it is funny. Some of the some of the TV personalities that you see really are introverts. They're very quiet. They're to themselves. Over most of them are extroverts, but some of them just. Um, uh, they're comfortable behind a camera and when we're doing the news there's no one else in the studio except the talent that's in there actually on air and so that's kind of their comfort zone they're looking at a camera it's not a real person they're not having to make eye contact that sort of thing um but if you want to be a reporter you want to get out there you've got to be willing to knock on doors you've got to be willing to get the story to to put a camera in somebody's face to to get that interview um if you don't do that we don't get some of the side and some of the story that really resonates with the, the public that way. Sales, whole other thing. You've got to be an extrovert. You've got to be willing to pick up the phone. You've got to be willing to just cold call and stop in a business and and see if what we've got works and serves their needs. So, yeah, I would say overwhelmingly extrovert, but surprisingly, you'll find a few introverts in the news area. Interesting. Yeah. So switching gears here a little bit um, to that advertising on the news side of things, since this is an advertising podcast, I suppose we should <laughs> talk about it a little bit. Um, so say you're walking down the street and a business owner walks up to you. He says, hey, Chris, I made a commercial. I want to put it on the news. What steps does that guy have to take? He's already got his commercial made. What steps does that business owner have to take to get on air and get on the news? One of the first things I would do is I would I would sit down with them, set up a time or whatever works to to sit down with that person, that business owner, and and see why they want to get on the news, what their objectives are. Um, do they want to be on just to be on the news and show their commercial and their business, or, or do they actually have a goal in mind, who they're trying to target, what they're trying to do? Uh, to, in today's day and age, it's, it's not always bringing people through the front door of their business. It might be getting them to their website. It might be getting the phone to ring, appointments made, uh, and it might just be branding in the community. So I'd want to see what their objectives are, what their goals are, how they're going to measure those goals with that, that schedule that they put on TV. 
And then next, I'd want to look at the commercial. And I'd want to do that for a couple of reasons. One, I've, I've had people come to me with commercials that they've shot on their iPhone. And um, I've recommended that we, I don't care what they want to pay, we, we don't put that on air. It's just not the image, the quality, the the um, uh, presence that they want to put out there in the community. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question because <laughs> yeah. the TV stations, you obviously have rules against uh, discrimination and stuff like that in, in yep. TV. But Definitely. I said just on basis of quality, you can turn down and will turn down ads if they're just not shot correctly. Yeah, we, we don't want to do harm to that business either. And, and something done incorrectly. I mean, we live in a day and age of, uh, of things going viral for both good and bad reasons. And um, uh, we don't want somebody going viral, somebody to getting a reputation in the community, somebody to, to do more harm than good to their business that way. Um, and you're right. The other one, the other reasons we want to look at it is to make sure that they, they do have all the legal obligations in there, um, that, that it's not, um, you know, something that's going to offend somebody, anything like that. And then uh, another reason that we want to look at it as well is, as I was saying, we want to talk to them and see what their objectives are. If that commercial isn't going to achieve the objectives that they want to achieve, we want to coach them to get the right commercial in there. If they want to get people to their website, but they never mention their website, their URL, their address on there, it's not going to do them probably any good. Uh, if they want to get people in their door, we want to make sure that people know how to get into their door. If they're having a, a weekend sale, we want a call to action type of a commercial. We want to make sure that the commercial hits those objectives and the targets and, and does what they want it to do. Yeah. So we determine that this guy, he's made his commercial and he's having, like you said, a weekend sale, 4th of July sale. Um, we've determined it's a good commercial. We're all good to go. Now what steps once you get that commercial that TV station takes to get that thing on air after that whole evaluation process? Sure. So we've determined their spot's good and it's going to meet their objectives, everything like that. Um, I will either myself or an account executive, because I started out selling as well and I, I still carry a local list. I call on clients. Um, uh, I, I love getting out in the public and, and it, I don't think I could ever lose that. Um, I, I feel I sit behind a desk too often, but I, I do like to get out. Um, so we'd sit down and based on their objectives and what they're trying to, to do, if they're having a 4th of July sale and, and it's a high end pride, they want to reach homeowners at a hundred thousand plus income, household income with, you know, a family of four, whatever it, their, their criteria is based on, we'll put together a schedule based on their criteria to hit the programming where um, they, they over-index in that program and where they're getting the most value for their dollars that way. So we put that, that schedule together based on their budget and their length of runtime. And then we take that commercial, uh, make sure we it's in a broadcast quality, uh, encode it into our system. It gets loaded in the system. The schedule, once they're approved by the, uh, the client, that gets loaded into our trafficking system. Um, and then basically it's ready to go. And you're just good to go on the air, and it just kind of runs machines from there on out. Yep, machines from there Very on cool. out. If I had somebody that came to me um, uh, right now with a commercial, I could have them on air within 24 hours if uh, we agreed on the schedule and the budget and all those sort of things. Yeah, it's surprisingly quick. Like you yep. would think it'd be a very long, drawn-out process, but surprisingly, surprisingly quick. It, it can be. It can also be a very long, drawn-out process <laughs> too. But yeah. So. I'm from Minnesota originally. Um, you, I don't have the accent, at least I try not to. Um, but 
on KEVN on Fox, out here we get Vikings games almost exclusively on Fox. They are always on on Sunday yep. afternoon. Um, Foxes, who carries NFC football for the most Perfect. part. Perfect. I'm glad you understand yes. that. And some yes. of the emails <laughs> I get do not. Yes. <laughs> so that business owner wants to throw his, he was on the news, he liked it, he got good results on the news, he wants to go on the Vikings game on Sunday. But he's got to then compete with a little uh, national advertisement as well. Can you walk through how the breakdown of national advertisements and local advertisements go in kind of like those syndicated programming? Yeah. Yeah. So we we do get national advertisements and national advertisements. um, A lot of people confuse sometimes with network advertisements because the network in the NFL, they've got their own advertisements. They insert in that. And then they give us a number, a certain number of uh, what's called avails, um, 30 second avails in that program. And that's what we fill with our our national advertisers that come through and our local advertisers. Take the uh, a vehicle dealer, for example. Uh, vehicle dealers get they place national buys, but they also place local buys that are placed through either uh, a regional buying group or the dealership itself. Um, the nationals come through a national agency and are placed uh, on the local with the local TV station that. So we go and our job is to uh, fill up those avails that are in there. So if we have um, 12 avails in a football game, our our goal, of course, is to fill all 12 spots in there. And we have um, uh, package rates. We put together package if somebody buys the entire football season. And we guarantee that if somebody even comes in at a a higher price or a bump rate, what it's called, or anything like that, we, we guarantee those spots in there because that advertiser is made, and that's on the local level. They've made a commitment to us to be in every game throughout the entire season. Um, if all the spots are taken at that point, somebody can pay more uh, sometimes, which is a little different for a lot of people to comprehend, but our, our business is a little different also. We, we have a shelf life of once that program's done, we can never get that spot back. So we've, we've got to kind of make hay while the sun shines. And so if somebody pays what's called a, a bump rate, we'll do a make good on another spot and put that spot in there. They'll get that avail. Um, I also, though, uh, do a thing with Fox every year where they can I can buy back two spots from Fox. They're called addenda spots. And if I choose to use those addendas, I do a revenue share with Fox. I have to give them a certain amount of the money, and then I keep a certain amount. So we charge a little more for those spots, too. And those spots are kind of held aside for if somebody comes in last minute, needs to be in there, they've got a sale or some change really quickly. They're going to pay a little more for the spot but we're going to be able to get them into the football game that way. Yeah, for sure. So what happens, you were kind of dealing with uh, if we have too many people that want to advertise, is there ever a case where it's like what happens if there's not enough or maybe there never (laughs) is not enough and there's just constant advertisements all the time? Yeah, that happened a lot actually this last football season due to uh, the political season. Of course, everybody, good or bad memories, remembers that we had a lot of political commercials running, um, especially leading up to November 6th, the primary there, and a lot of outside issue money. Well, those are one areas where a client, those clients pay a lot higher rate because they, uh, the election has a very shel- uh, short shel- shelf life. And so they need to be in there. So 
they get in there and it does bump out locals. What we've got to do at that point, if we're completely out of spots and oversold, we got to make it right with the locals at that point. And it might be getting into multiple prime programming that makes up the rating points for that football game. Um, it might be waiting until a slower time, for example, after November 6th, after the political, to be able to get them in uh, a bonus spot, something here or there, or get them in a, a more premium placement spot. Um, if they're willing to move, and we, we talk with the clients on that and try and offer them make good situations. And we understand, for example, that politicians come around every couple years, and it's really good money for TV stations and good money for, for marketing in the marketplace. Um, but we know our local clients are with us all year round every year and so we try and not just make it right with them we try and overly make it right by giving them extra extra rating points which means extra eyeballs for their commercial yeah which is really smart because if you were just undercutting people constantly that (laughs) probably wouldn't be a very good business model it really wouldn't be yeah it'd catch up with us pretty quick i would think so we're actually going to take a quick break and we will be right back with how my job and chris's job intertwine with each other Hey guys and gals, it's Brett Matice, the host of the Midwest Marketing Podcast. I need you to do me a favor really, really quick. I promise you it won't take long. However you're listening to this here podcast, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, maybe you're just on our website, whatever it is, go give us a five-star rating. See those stars? There's going to be five of them. Just go to the one furthest on the right-hand side, click that one. Maybe write a few quick nice words about us. Unless you don't like us very much, then don't write anything at all. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Let's get back to listening. All right, we're back. So for those of you who don't know how my job and Chris's job are intertwined is I will buy for my clients, um, businesses around Rapid City, the Black Hills area, I will buy TV spots on KEVN or KOTA. And those spots vary in price by, Chris just touched on earlier, ratings, the rating points. Can you go into further depth about how ratings are gathered? I know there's been just a slight shakeup in our rating systems here. Um, with how we're collecting ratings in Rapid City. Yeah, the ratings, it's a—it's always been an interesting topic throughout the industry. Uh, love them or hate them, you die by the numbers a lot of times. Um, since I've been in the industry, we've always carried uh, Nielsen ratings. We've subscribed to Nielsen. We've been a Nielsen client. Um, we made a big change this year, and we switched to Comscore. Uh, a lot of people may be familiar with Comscore. If you, One of the things they're most known for is if you ever see uh, the box office numbers come out, how much movies made. That's Comscore that puts all that together. Oh, really? I had no idea that was Comscore yep, that's, that's doing the movies. Okay. Yep, they do all that. Um, that's one of the, the business models or part of their business model that they have. Um, so Nielsen, who we had been with, uh, again, it's always been a bit controversial in the industry. We've always been, up until July of last year, a diary market, meaning that people are shipped out diaries our market, our DMA, has just under 100,000 households, 98,000-some-odd 98, households. And Nielsen gets those diaries back, and they'd get about 380 diaries back for those almost 100,000 households, and that's what they would model the numbers off for the entire, entire industry. Um, so it's it not very accurate. Yeah, I'm not a math whiz by <laughs> yeah. any means, but that's like a percent of a percent of, yeah. It's You're getting a very small sample size. Very small sample. If, if one person is watching a program and they happen to be on vacation a week during the ratings period, a program can take an entire ratings hit from that one person, uh, not not watching that television show. So, uh, so Nielsen made a change last year to what they call uh, RPD, Return Path Data. 
and um, they've been working with it and whatnot. We made a decision as Gray Television, our corporate company, to go 100% to ComScore this year because we found uh, that we didn't have 100% confidence, let's say, in Nielsen's change in methodology and research there. ComScore has been doing that for, for years. For about a decade, they've been using return path data to collect in the marketplace. So they've got a little more history in the way that the industry has moved to doing that. And return path data, and, and hopefully I don't scare anybody in my my speaking here and whatnot, but what return path data is, if you've got a set-top box, and in our market, if you have Dish or Direct, for example, if you've got a set-top box, that programming just doesn't go one direction to your household. It actually, every 30 seconds, is sending back what you're watching there. And, and Comscore, and now Nielsen as well, they take that data and actual viewing. So no one needs to fill out a diary in the market anymore. They're using actual viewing and watching there. And then Comscore, they, they take it a step further. They have a, um, uh, an agreement with a third party, uh, data research, Experian, most people are, are familiar with through the credit reporting in that. Yep, for sure. Experian knows more about your household than most people know about their own household. They know what you drive, when you last bought a car, when you punch your uh, phone number in at a grocery store, they're collecting all that data. Um, anytime you've ever filled out a loan application, a credit card application, anything, they're, they're collecting all that data. And, and I, and people have been comfortable or doing this for many, many years. That data has been being shared. I, I use the example sometimes when people say, well, that's scary that they know so much about me. I say, well, if you've ever been on a website, um, I, I was just looking up a hotel. I'm going to Washington next month. And for the last three days, that uh, hotel has been following me around every social media account I have popping up. Same type of thing. That information's being collected out there, and it's being used to, in that case, serve ad, ad impressions um, with retargeting. In this case, they're taking that information, they're matching it with the, the viewing in that household, and that's how we're able to put those schedules together is we, we can target a household with uh, 75,000 plus income, uh, married, owns their own home, on and on and on. And and then we also use uh, Polk data, which if anybody's familiar with the vehicle industry, Polk data knows anything and everything about every car sold. And we can match that up with the automotive industry in that as well. But that's how we can put the best TV schedule together. And then um, those, those ratings are based on uh, the amount of people viewing at that time. Ratings is a, a percentage of a population viewing television at that time. So I don't know how much feedback you've gotten back on the new Comscore switching over. Um, the term that gets thrown out a lot with anything, like you said, with uh, retargeting ads on the internet or all this tracking that's going on is Big Brother. Like Big Brother is watching, um, not the TV show, but Big Brother is completely always around. Are you getting feedback on people saying we don't like it or we do like it because they're getting correct data or maybe you're not, but how do you think people are going to respond to having getting tracked through their set-top box? You know, I think I, I get a mixed bag from people, but I think people, are be, because of the Internet, have become so much more used to it. If you go onto Amazon, it's making suggestions based on your purchase history. They're not just guessing at that. They're, they're really doing research and looking at and seeing what you're buying. Um, uh, as I said, I mentioned earlier, I, I have children. I use my Safeway Club card the other day, and uh, I, I bought lunch there, and I had diaper coupons come out. Uh, 
they have that history, that tracking. If you have a credit report, it, you've been being tracked forever. Um, that's how they get those numbers. They're looking at your bank accounts. They're looking at your your loan repayment history, your on time, all those sort of things. So whether people are comfortable with it or not, unfortunately, whether they realize it or not, it, it's been going on forever. Yeah the, yeah, the tracking is not, like you said, not a super new thing. It's just a new form of it that we're experiencing here in Rapid with coming through the set-top box. But yep. like you said, it's people are used to it now, and they kind of expect it almost, and it's just nice to get accurate, more accurate data. Well, and even, even with Comscore, um, even though we've just subscribed to them this year, starting at January 1st, they have viewing data going back over a decade for Rapid City. So oh, it's okay. been happening to it's people, happening. and they don't even know. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, that's and so when they signed that agreement with Disher Direct, if they didn't read the fine print and get out of it there, they're – they're getting that information That's what's back. going on. Yep. Interesting. So we're kind of touching in this whole <laughs> advancement of technology thing here. And I'm sure this question gets asked to everyone in TV, okay. everywhere. And you're so used to answering it. It's probably just second nature. But Netflix, Hulu, streaming, all this type of stuff. How does broadcast television combat this or work with this to have a successful partnership um, without giving away the farm here, um, <laughs> give me your predictions or what we're kind of looking at in the future. No, I'm more than happy to actually give away the farm. I think I think TV's learned from some other industries as they've evolved, and I won't mention any specifically in that, that if you don't embrace it, if you try and fight the technology, you try and fight people's habits and, and consumer viewing in this case, uh, you're going to get left behind. So TV, I think, is really on the forefront of um, uh, technologies and things that are that are going on out there. For example, I had to bring a list because I can't even keep it straight sometime. Um, if people are familiar with OTT, over-the-top viewing, uh, that has become very popular, viewing on smart devices, viewing through different apps and things. So actually, my newscast, um, besides being able to watch free over the air on all the cable systems and, and uh, satellite systems in the market, um, and then also we live stream everything on our website and our, our free mobile app, um, we also are on SBTV, Hulu, Roku, Haystack, Fire TV, and soon Rapid City to launch on um, YouTube TV. Uh, we've got an agreement with YouTube TV. We've got less than two dozen markets launched right now. And within first quarter, uh, you'll see Coda Territory and Black Hills Fox News on YouTube TV as well. And so what we're trying to do is stay on the forefront of the, the different ways people are consuming media. Um, I hear a lot that people aren't watching TV anymore as much as they used to, but uh, it's it's kind of funny, and I, I, I chuckle a little bit because TV viewing is actually increasing, and there's uh, a lot of people have called what's going on right now the new golden age of television because there is so much content, so many more things available out there. The problem is is that it's it's so fragmented and fractured throughout. There's so many different ways to consume television these days through through your um, uh, different, like say YouTube TV and Netflix and Amazon Prime and on and on and on. So we've got to get on those platforms to be able to get our programming in front of the people out there, and we'll have ability as well throughout there when there's enough that it makes sense to do so, to do local commercial insertion through all those platforms also. Yeah, so it's not so much as a fight against as just kind of working together just to increase people's enjoyability 
of their viewing experience when they're watching TV. Exactly. Exactly. As we see people using using second screens as they're consuming TV, we need to be on that second street, uh, screen. Um, and we need to make sure that if we're running a commercial for a client, that we're pointing people towards that second screen. Right now, um, as people sit and watch TV in the evening, if they're watching a traditional television, which, which I still feel there's nothing like that experience of watching a big screen on there compared to a small mobile device, if, if people didn't like that experience, they didn't want that experience, movie theaters would have been dead years ago. They want oh, yeah, the very experience. True. Um, so I, I equate that to watching TV, but we also need to embrace that as people are doing that, they've got an iPad in their hand, if they're older like me and can't see the phone as well, <laughs> uh, or their iPhone or their Android sitting in their hand as they're watching TV. And if people see a commercial that piques their interest, they're Googling it right away. So when we consult on marketing, we've got to explain that it's not just your commercial anymore. Your web presence is so important and so many things that tie together to engage that consumer. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed with programming type stuff is broadcast as far as like you're just sit down, your prime, prime time television shows. It doesn't have this wide variety. Like it doesn't follow trends as much, which is probably the wrong way to put it. But you notice like a couple years ago, um, like survival, outdoor, like Alaska shows were super duper popular and still kind of are. Um, but you don't really get that as much on, like you're not getting the Duck Dynasties and the Life Below Zero. Those are on your cable networks and other forms to view where broadcast is kind of just right down the middle. You know what you're going to get with broadcast television. Yeah, I, I agree, definitely. And and uh, the consumer is very fickle, and we, we go on trends of what we watch, what we like. Uh, uh, when I started selling was in the heyday of American Idol, for example. And I, I remember reading articles and things from other network heads, just, just praying and wishing somebody would kill that program off. <laughs> and Because um, it, it a show would you'd be 30 plus million people watching on a weekly basis American Idol there which nowadays that's unheard of from one that amount of people to be watching one program because again the fragmentation there's so many choices out there in that so I, I think what the networks are doing is um, you see a lot of shows introduced every year um, they play a little bit safer route uh, the networks though also have to conform to different standards through the FCC than cable does. Uh, so they can't be as edgy as um, uh, cable, which a lot of people don't realize the FCC doesn't oversee cable because the FCC oversees the airwaves. And so broadcast goes out over the airwaves. Cable is a, a hardwired, HWC hardwired cable on there. So they can get by with a little more, a little more swearing, a little more side boob, a little more different things yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure, a little bit more leeway. Right. So with broadcast, they, they their goal is to appeal to a lot larger mass audiences, but also ones that will be watching it in home without satellite, without cable, that have the old rabbit ears on the back of their TV and can bring in that programming. For so. sure. I, I would say that broadcast television is very similar to like comfort food. It's just like, you know what you're going to get. You know it's yep. going to be good. It's just going to be solid. It's just comfort food. Great analogy. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So we kind of touched on a lot of different things TV-wise. Um, is there any like common misconceptions about the TV business? I know you touched on it before, but my biggest thing that was like, whoa, I had no idea, was there is no camera guy steering a big camera while you're doing the news. 
is there any other thing that's like maybe people wouldn't know that's going on in TV nowadays? You know, the TV's evolved a lot as the, the technology's evolved in that. I did a, a build-out that we launched a year ago last November, so it's been a little over a year ago, where we removed the, the camera ops, the people standing behind the cameras and went 100% automation there. Um, but otherwise, I, I really encourage, one thing I love about being in TV, and I, I actually do as many of them as I can myself, is um, uh, school and organization tours of the TV station. Uh, for some reason, and, and I look back to when I started in it, and I, I guess maybe why I got so interested, people are just fascinated by the whole make, being able to walk through a studio, being able to sit at a desk, being able to get in front of the, uh, the green screen. When I do a tour, uh, kids, for example, I'll have them on the green screen and put a... Um, uh, weather graphic in there and they can play around and move and they, they just find it fascinating. So I think I think the whole magic of TV is just it's still out there for so many people that haven't experienced just being in a TV station. So I, I always encourage people um, to come up and, and uh, set a time. We're always, always welcome to set a time and, and uh, give a tour of the station. Meet the talent. There are local celebrities here. Um, we've got talent that's been in the market for 20, 30 years and are basically known by everybody. So to, to meet some of those people and all that is is really cool. But I, I don't know if a lot of things really surprise me anymore. I guess for me, it's kind of old hat. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I tell you what, I got the tour of the TV station. And if you got some spare time, you got to go. It's really cool. It's okay. state-of-the-art type of stuff up there. It's just I don't know what I was expecting going in there, but it was nothing like I was expecting. Yeah, and it's I, a very cool facility. I think that's kind of why it's hard to answer that is because until you, you see, there's there's still a magic to local television that you know local every survey that comes out, local television is still the most trusted news source there is. Um, with everything going on on the national level, and we won't get into political or any of those sort of things, of course, but. People still trust their local meteorologist, their local anchor, um, and they're a part of the community. They're the people you see in the grocery store. They're the uh, they're Jack Cotto who likes to play poker and, and hang out and has his normal night to do that. They're, they're those people. So it's, um, it's, it's a great place to be. You said you touched on that there. You have on-air talent that's been there for 20-plus years. How important is that to just not have that high turnover and have news anchors and meteorologists that are there for a long time our market's a little interesting that way um we've got you know jack Cottle and mike modrick and alicia garcia uh, eric gardner those guys have, have been there for 20 plus years jack we just celebrated his 35th anniversary uh this was his first job out of college and planned on moving on and just never did he fell in love with the rapid city area so we we have a really good stable staff like that um, but we're also a starter market, and that meaning that we get a lot of uh, young reporters right out of college. This is their first job, first time away from home, those sort of things. We do a two-year contract with them, and everyone that's, that comes in, um, I do all the onboarding myself. So they sit down with me. We go through. I have a spiel kind of that I give them that, you know, work hard, dig into the community, get to know the community, um, get to know the job, work, work hard on the job. But find out if this is what you want to do, what you love. And 
and I'll help you move on if that's the case. Because most people that come here fresh out of college, they want to do their two years, get their reel together, and move up to a larger market. All of them want to be on networks or top 10 markets or that sort of a thing. And it's um, uh, actually, it's, it's a really cool thing. I've got employees, you know, that are in top 10 markets throughout the country. We still stay in touch. We're friends with. They visit when they're in town, that sort of thing. So it's, it's neat to watch their careers as they move on. Yeah, for sure. It's good to have kind of that mix of both. You have your experience and you have your new guys coming in as well. (laughs) We're both ends of the spectrum. Exactly. So I suppose as we wrap up here, is there any last minute thoughts that you didn't, we didn't touch on or we didn't get to, or maybe you wanted to mention, but I kept talking too much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would say, um, uh, you know, if you're looking at this is like you say, a marketing podcast. So I went with something in marketing. Uh, if you're if you're looking at marketing, if you're looking at making television a part of your marketing mix for your business, you know, stop in talk to talk to Brett at Midwest Marketing. Talk about how I, I think one of the neat things about our market and television here is we can serve the smallest mom and pop type business and find the right thing that'll work for their business um, to be on television up to. Yeah, some of the larger businesses in the marketplace or the largest businesses in the marketplace. So I think that's that's another misconception is that um, people see TV, see a TV commercial and don't realize that they they can make that part of their marketing mix in Rapid City. We've got that that ability to do so being in a smaller market. Yeah, they did look at it. And it's like, oh, I never be on TV. Like that's like the holy grail of advertising. I'll never be on TV. But no, that's a very good concluding thought. I guess my concluding thought would be. Um, if we can stay educated and stay updated and the news makes it easy, I mean, you can watch it on your TV, you can go on the web, you can, like you said, you're available on so many different platforms that it makes it very simple to stay educated on what's going on locally, nationally, all sorts of stuff. So you can head to KEVN, you can head to KOTA online, or you can turn it on. What channel are we? You're seven and three. Yep. That's seven and three. Cool. <laughs> I thought I got that right. Cool. But you can head anywhere and just get the news and stay educated and stay updated. And other than that, thanks for coming on, Chris. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Brad. You betcha. Thanks for tuning in.